Good to see you this morning. We appreciate those who are visiting. It's good to have Wade Webster with us today. We support Wade and his mission work, and we appreciate so much the great work that he does. And we're very thankful that he's here with us today. And we're grateful for you and your presence. If you're visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back. Those of you that may be looking for a church home, we would love to have you come and be a part of the work here. And I would encourage you, if you would like, to meet with our elders, talk to them about the work here, and find out how you can become a part of this church. We'd love to have you as part of our family. We're going to be looking today at Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. Today we want to talk about mistaken priorities. Many years ago, one of my best friends went away to college. I was still in high school. His folks sent him to a Christian college. He spent about a year or two there, had a lot of fun, did a lot of things, but unfortunately, what he was there for wasn't really a priority. And so his dad said to him, you're coming home. He had a lot of fun. The problem was he just didn't spend time studying, and so he washed out. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can become misplaced when it comes to our priorities. There are things that we do on a daily basis. There are things that take precedence in life. Sometimes, however, we become confused when it comes to our priorities, what's really important, what's most needful. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, with regard to our spiritual lives, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to talk this morning about an individual, a rich man. I don't know his name, but I know that he was a man of immense wealth. No doubt he enjoyed a lot of things in this life. The only problem, death intervened. And as a result of that, he found out that his priorities were not what they should have been here on planet Earth. Let me begin by, first of all, talking about his unfavorable activities. I want to begin this point by saying that one of the real problems in his life was that there were no spiritual priorities. Listen, if you would, to what is said beginning in verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he lived in luxury. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Sometimes it's not so much what is said about a person as what is not said. The text tells us that there were some things that were important to this guy. He was wealthy. He lived a life of luxury. 
I would assume he had whatever he wanted in life. And yet, there were some things that were missing. Not one word was said in this text about his worship to God. And yet the psalmist said in Psalm 95 verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Sadly, there are people that depart this life every day. And there are a lot of great things that could be said about them in a memorial setting. The sad truth is there are some folks, nothing could be said about their worship to God. Why? Because it's just not a priority. It wasn't a priority. And there are people in the church today, sadly, when it comes to worship, it's just not a priority. Fishing, that's a priority. Hunting, that's a, that's a priority. Playing golf. There are a lot of things that tend to crowd out the Lord when it comes to the Lord's day. And yet Jesus said, seek first His kingdom. That means before anything else, you put Him first. Nothing in our sect in our text is said about his work for God. Think about that for a minute. I read about the fact that the rich man was wearing nice clothes. He lived a life of luxury. And yet there was a beggar. An individual who was destitute. He desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. This guy wasn't benevolent. He wasn't interested in helping other people. He didn't help this man. I mean, he, he gave him the crumbs. What about us? If, by chance, we were to step out into eternity this week, would it be said of us that we worshiped God regularly? That we were involved in the work of God regularly? Did you know that Paul said we've been created in Christ Jesus under good works? It was Paul who said that we're to be zealous for good works, that we are to show ourselves as a pattern of good works. When you read about this rich man, nothing said about his worship to God, nothing said about his work for God, nothing said about the Word of God in his life. I don't read one syllable in this text about this guy spending time in God's Word. And yet the psalmist said in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. By the way, how much time have you spent reading the word of God this past week? If you were to step out into eternity, there might be a lot of things that would be said about your life. Fine attributes. But would it be said of you that you were a worshiper of God? 
that you were involved in the work of God. That the Word of God was important in your life. Only you can answer that question. So when I look at this life, first of all, I come face to face with a fellow that when it came to priorities, there were no spiritual priorities. Misplaced priorities, but no spiritual priorities. And then there were, or there was, no spiritual preparation for eternity after this life. Think for a minute or two with me. The Bible tells us with regard to this rich man that he died and was buried. Could I ask you a question? Are you making preparation to exit this life? It may be the case that this man had made preparation for his burial. The text tells us he was buried. I would imagine that some of us here today have already made arrangements for our funeral service to take that burden off of our family members. But the truth of the matter is there are a lot of people live as if they're going to live forever. The psalmist said in Psalm 89 many, many years ago, here's what he said, Remember how short my time is. Boy, life will get away from you so fast. If you have young children, you better enjoy them because I promise you they'll be grown before you know it. The psalmist talks about how we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age, but he said, it is soon cut off. And what happens? We fly away. So in verse 12 of Psalm 90, he said, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Here's what James said. Life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. We are literally here today and gone tomorrow. You better not bank on being here forever. So this guy made no preparation for exiting this life. And yet, Job said many years ago, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The Hebrew writer said, it is appointed unto man once to die. After this comes the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. But here's the scary part. He made no preparation for exiting this life and he made no preparation for eternity after this life. Pick up with me if you would. Verse 22, the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. What happened? Do you, think, do you think the rich man, do you think he ever thought life is going to end and when it ends, I'm going to be in a place 
that I never ever dreamed of. We talk about the brevity of life. I was reading just this past week about JFK. Many of you, some of you were alive when JFK was killed in Dallas, Texas in 1963. I read that as he traveled in that motorcade on that day, the governor of Texas was in the front seat. The governor's wife said to JFK, Mr. President, the people in Dallas sure love you. The last words he heard. You know what happened? gun exploded. Two shots. The man that occupied the highest office in this country in eternity. The president. He had just heard somebody talk about how much the people loved him. And he's driving through the streets and the people, no doubt, the adulation, the praise. And the next thing you know, he is in eternity. That's just how fast it can happen. Secondly, his unending agony. The text tells us, beginning in verse 22, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. He had a new residence, didn't he? On planet Earth, he was living the life of luxury. Just like JFK living in the White House. And everyone catering to him. I suspect that this fellow had a lot of people catering to him giving him his every wish. Guess what? He's now changed locations. He's no longer living in that big fine house. There are no more servants waiting on him. He's not eating and drinking and enjoying life anymore. No, he is in a place identified by Jesus as torment. Peter tells us that this abode is called Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S in the original. It is the abode of the unrighteous, according to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It is where the angels who sinned now reside. And that's where this man found himself. Got a new home. Here's what you need to understand. That new residence that he now has... He's going to be there for a long, long time. You see, there were some new realizations. Listen, if you would, to what Jesus said in his narration. In verse 23, And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime, 
you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to you. Let me just simplify it if I can. What the Lord is saying about the rich man, there's no coming back. There are no changes, no crossing over. His fate eternally sealed. That's why it's imperative that our priorities are where they ought to be, spiritually speaking. Now you can get out here and you can run and do anything you want to do and you can have a life of open pleasure and gratification, you can live a life for self. And I'll grant you might have a lot of fun. When it's all said and done and the dust clears and you end up in a place where you never dreamed, you need to understand. You're not coming back. There are no do-overs here on planet Earth. Here's what the writer said, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die. After this cometh the judgment. You see, this fellow had, had to realize it's over for him. What about you? If you were to step out into eternity, I want you to listen to something. I thought about this in preparation for this lesson. The rich man cried to Father Abraham. He said, have mercy on me. How many people do you think in eternity are crying out as we speak right now? They're crying out for relief. They're begging Guess what? There's no help coming. In this life, if you have trouble, you can call your friends, your neighbors, your family members, and they may come to your aid and help you. You step out into eternity and you find yourself in a place called torment, Tartarus. There's no help coming. You can cry until Jesus comes. No help whatsoever. So you better get it right here and now. Don't wait too late. Don't go too far. A lot of folks, they've waited too late. They've gone too far. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study very quickly. His unshakable apprehension. First, the fear that gripped the rich man. Listen now to what is said, beginning in verse 27. I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Let me just pause here very quickly. Individually, individually, where do you plan to spend eternity? 
You're here, so I suspect you plan to spend eternity in heaven, don't you? It may be the case that you're not headed in that direction right now, but that's where you, that's where you plan to spend eternity. Let me ask a second question. If you're a parent or a grandparent, where do you think your children and grandchildren will spend eternity? Could I say this? If you don't go to heaven, you need to step back and think for a minute. Because if you don't make it, in all probability, your children and grandchildren are not going to make it. If you go to hell, don't be surprised when they join you. You see, this rich man found himself in torment. And he knew, my brothers are right on my heels. So you think about that for a minute. If you lose your soul, in all probability, you're going to carry some people with you. The flip side is, if you go to heaven, hopefully and prayerfully, you're going to have some people that follow you there. This guy was afraid, his family, that they were on their way. If you're not regular in your worship to God, if you're not involved in the work of God, if you're not in the Word of God, on a regular basis. Don't be surprised when you find yourself in a place you never dreamed. And don't be surprised when your children and grandchildren follow you there. So the fear that gripped him. And you know, sometimes people have this idea that they'll just go to hell and take it. Sometimes individuals think because they're some macho guy and they're big and tough and rough and they can do this and do that, that they'll just go and they'll just take it. Let me tell you what, I don't care how tough you are, I don't care how rough you think you are, you won't go to hell and just take it. You may think you will, but I got news for you, you won't. You'll find out it's a whole different story. So there were fears that gripped him. But now the facts given to him. Here's what Abraham said. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. What's the point? You want to go to heaven? You want your family members to go to heaven? You better realize the GPS that'll get you to heaven, it's called the Bible. That's the only thing. That's why the psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. Very quickly, in summation, could I ask you in a very kind and Yet, very serious way. What are your priorities? Could I say this to you? If you don't come back tonight, your priorities are misplaced. If you're not back here Wednesday night, same thing. Your priorities are all wrong. 
If you're not involved in the work of God, your priorities need to change. If you're not spending time in this book that we call the Bible every day, again, your priorities need to change. This guy, please listen very carefully. He waited too late. Don't wait too late. Think about it. Think about where you're going to spend eternity. The beauty of the Bible is we can get home, that is, home to heaven. We've got to live for him. We've got to honor him with the way we live. So today, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you, don't wait too late. Here's what you need to do. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what Jesus said, John 8, verse 24. And Jesus said in the long ago, except you believe that I'm here, you'll die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. What's the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to you in this life? Lose your job? Have some type of financial reversal? Get sick? Get a disease? Be told by the doctor you've got cancer? Let me tell you, the worst thing could happen to you is to lose your soul. Absolute worst. And then to repent. Do what they did on Pentecost Day. As Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Why do you need to do that? so that you can enjoy the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of sins, so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. If you're here today and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, you realize your priorities have not been what they ought to be. Look, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I want you to go to heaven. God wants you to go to heaven. A few months from now, we're going to go to the polls and we're going to choose a president. God has already placed his vote. The devil, he's cast his vote. The deciding vote, it's up to you. I can't make you become a Christian. I can't make you live a faithful life. That resides within the human being. Won't you come as we stand and sing?